Welcome, everybody, back on in. This is a special, uh, I don't know how often we'll do it, maybe once a month, maybe a couple times a month. This is our special NXT show, NXT Talk Over. I have my British contingent, the British Invasion, Uncle Sam and Gazprom with me, uh, both NXT and NXT UK. We will cover that as well. Uh, connoisseurs, if you will, and they are here to uh, cover tonight's takeover. We would like to get this out to you guys like a week before takeover. Last week was pretty insane because we were just getting the new show launched. Uh, I was just getting all my tech together. So from now on, here on out, I would prefer to get the show to you as a week in advance instead of a few hours in advance of the show. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is introduce you to my two new co-hosts for these special edition shows. Uh, they both longtime wrestling fans, lovers of NXT. Um, Sam, we'll go with you first. Um, what is NXT to you? Why did you want to do this show? Um, just bring us along. Well, um, I mean, I've been a wrestling fan for in excess of two decades now. I'm one of those rare wrestling fans, uh, who became a fan when Kane was WWF champion, which... I think was what a day long reign, if I remember correctly. It was a good raw. Um, it was a good episode of raw. It was. I mean, that's my my persevering memory. Uh, the first time I watched wrestling is Paul Bearer trying to hit Steve Austin with a shoe, um, which I think will always stick with me. That was always good fun. The opening uh, segment of that raw is tremendous as well, where they're doing the presentation. I think he drove his truck or a Zamboni or something and jumped over the ropes and knocked into everybody and knocked the belt all over. It was fucking great. Oh yeah. I mean yeah. that era of Austin every week it was, you know, you had to tune in just to see what sort of mad shit he was going to get up to. Um, but in recent years, actually it's interesting because NXT has basically usurped all other wrestling for me. I haven't watched SmackDown and raw regularly in probably like five or six years now. I, I keep up to date with it, but I watch NXT every week. I've watched it since Jim Ross was uh, announcing on, uh, it was on Sky Sports at the time in the UK and I had to record it and I'd come home from work and I'd, I'd watch that. Um, I remember, you know, I remember uh, Alexander, uh, sorry, Oliver Gray and Adrian Neville as the inaugural NXT Tag Team Champions. So, you know, I've been watching NXT for a long time and it is now my primary source of, of wrestling i would say um a lot of people i want to cover real quick before we move to our next uh, new co-host uh, a lot of people might be wondering like what are you talking about a lot of people may not realize that nxt was you can only in america you could only find it uh someplace on the internet i used to find it on, on i think youtube or daily motion uh, mm. one of the two where people used to re repost nxt existed for what was it? it was pretty much like a year before it went on the network was it about something like that oh it may have even been longer um, yeah i think it was about a year when they moved to full sale from the old model of like the reality show style they moved to full sale and were doing shows very good shows that featured uh seth rollins biggie langston page um the, those type cory grave Corey Graves when he was wrestling jinder mahal when he was still wrestling or cory graves when he was still <laughs> wrestling um yeah in a year in advance of when they went on WWE Network, when the WWE Network launched. And for a lot of those shows, um, Jim Ross would commentate on the either main event or the, or the culmination of an angle. So that's the stuff he's referring to. So we're, we, everybody on this broadcast are, are uh, especially myself, because I had to go out of my way to find it on these websites to watch it. But it was a fantastic show. 
still is. Um, and I think and it's all up on the network now. It wasn't for a long time, but now I think it, those those pre off. the pre network shows are up. I know yeah. they did like a few months of them. I didn't know that all of them were on there. That's fucking awesome. I want to go back and yeah. check that out. I wonder if uh, are the, is the Kenneth Cameron and um and why can't I think of his name? Oh, the original the, Ascension. the old Ascension is that on there? Yeah, yeah. I think fucking I awesome. think they're in the first episode. In fact, if I remember correctly, yeah. That was, that was what fuck well, I mean, because it's a great act to trot out there. That was a whole oh, yeah. that entrance was used to be a holy shit entrance. Great stuff. Where um, they would rise up from the Yeah, uh, they'd rise up smoke. from the thing and then they'd go in and have he'd have the, the Iron Man light in his hand and oh, yeah. that was fucking dope. Um and, and Connor had the had the, the kit the contacts that would light up with the oh, big yeah. yeah, that was fucking awesome. It was a great, great, great act. So I hey, we would suggest go ahead and go back and become NXT OGs such as ourselves. Oh yeah. My other new co-host, Gazprom, uh, again, let us know why you wanted to make create this show, why you came to me with the idea. What about NXT has attracted you, brother? I think, uh, I, you know, I started watching back in the Attitude Era as well. Um, but I think, you know, I, I had a long period off from, from wrestling, really, for, for sort of the early 2000s. And I came back in 2008 and, you know, I, I really started to, you know, watch it again re- regularly. But the... I just, I don't know, I increasingly found that I was just doing other things whilst Raw was on in the background. It wasn't really capturing my attention in, in, in the same way. And I think one night I was what, I was on my laptop or something, and um, and again, you know, in Britain, you know, they would have Raw on, and then uh, NXT would come on after. And, I, you know, oh, I was watching, wow. watching Raw, but not really watching it. And then NXT came on, and it was... Uh, I forget exactly what the angle was, but it was right at the start of sort of Paige's big sort of push there. And um, I just remember thinking, you know, this is something that is a lot more kind of captivating, a much more sort of um, interesting show, I guess. And I think largely because it's an hour long. And I think it, it just means that I found myself increasingly just being able to watch every single episode, but, but watching it, not sort of having it on as moving wallpaper, which I think is basically what I was doing with Raw and SmackDown at the time. And then, to be honest with you, increasingly, I just... My viewership of Raw and SmackDown went down as my viewership of NXT went up. And I think I've, um, you know, I did miss quite a lot of those early episodes, but I have been back on the network to watch over them. And it's obvious from the outset that I think it was, it's kind of presented in a much more kind of um, old school, I guess is one way of phrasing it, but certainly just a more kind of episodic manner. And I just, I feel like it's not, it's just everything on NXT kind of has a point and a plot and a, and a direction. And I think, you know, increasingly Raw is just segment to segment, you know, and, and each, you know, if if in a given week, they might have just had a bizarre celebrity segment or something like that on Raw, which I just, I, you know, it just doesn't really add anything to it. And I think it, it for me, NXT is just, it plays out much, much more like a kind of, like a regular television show, I guess. And I think for that, it just makes it a lot more engaging over, over the long term. You know, you can watch an episode of Raw and it doesn't, you know, the only reason that you know it relates to the previous week is the endless re- replays and, and, and recalls and so on. And I think with NXT, it's just much more kind of, as I said, like direction, with a direction, I should say. Um, so, yeah, so I've, I've kind of watched it uh, nonstop since then. And now I'm living halfway around the world. It's still on TV here, which, um, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of interesting because NXT is actually exposed just as much as Raw or SmackDown is. Um, I should say, sorry, I, I, I live in the Middle East at the moment. Um, and I think as a result of that, it just, 
it doesn't seem unusual to be a fan of only NXT here. I think you know there's plenty of people who would do that, particularly kind of uh, older, you know, sort of young adult, uh, sort of early thirties people as opposed to children, because I think it's just a lot more kind of I, I, I want to say adult orientated, but without kind of it's obviously there's still PG, but you know you know what I mean. I think in terms of like I find it less insulting to the intelligence, maybe to enjoy it. Uh, Sam, back to you. What is the primary difference between the main roster to you and and NXT, and why you like NXT better? Um, uh, first and foremost, I I agree with Gaz's point that it's almost brevity. Whereas obviously Raw wasn't originally three hours when I started watching NXT, but it grew to three hours and became this almost unstoppable monster. Um, but that said, I don't think the length is Raw's only problem. I think NXT is more concise and it does much more with less um it's almost the 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 very structure of nxt so there's constant turnover um you know so bo dallas was uh, one of the early nxt champions he's not there anymore there's this constant turnover of the roster that always keeps it fresh there's no risk of sort of overexposure um it's just from top to bottom it there's always something new with nxt Whereas Raw, I think, or SmackDown, or you know, Superstars, what have you, there's always the risk of stagnation, and you're seeing the same thing over and over. I think part of the part of the what they have is they can't. So they're trying to do the best they can on kind of a less budget than than the WWE. I'm not saying it's under budgeted or it looks less than. What I'm saying is they obviously don't put as much of a buzz into NXT. It's mm. smaller, so they can't really afford to stubbornly shove round pegs into square holes or vice versa they let people do what they're good at they don't take these people on on these crazy detours of character development that don't really make a lot of sense that seem to be booked only for an audience of one they let the Mm. people be good at what they are good at they feature them on the show they emphasize their strengths try to minimize the weaknesses and move forward i mean you a prime example is somebody somebody like nakamura uh, who was a god in NXT because they mm. let him be what he is. They let him be special. They let him be a babyface. They let the crowd sing to his music. They let them. They let all that stuff happen. And then he goes up to the main roster and he just punches people in the nuts and has a theme song that nobody likes and mm. is is left off the show all the time now. Well, I they, think they can't afford to pay somebody and feature and have someone like Nakamura in NXT and then just do something fucking crazy like that with him. It just it wouldn't work for them and it would totally it would ruin the whole show and the whole point of what they're trying to do. So they're they're the structure of what they need to do along with the fact that the show is only an hour really benefits them in that way. There's that and I think and this is going to sound very smarky but I'm going to go ahead and say it is that I do think the they listen to their fans more so if somebody's getting a certain reaction they'll lean into it um so you know Bo Dallas is the classic example of how they emphasize certain annoying aspects of his character to the point that uh, you know in his final appearance he's been dragged away in a golf cart and screaming oh he touched my bum you know um they the characters evolve organically depending again as you say on their strengths and also how the audience reacts and perceives them another thing that that i think because you have guys like and obviously there's a laundry list of other problems with these two individuals that i'm about to bring up but you got guys like jack swagger and dolph ziggler both of whom 
I believe had tracking these kinds of things had 120 televised losses in a year. And on the main roster, you see that and you're and you're pretty much moving on mentally. Like these this is it. Like there's no this is what these guys are. They don't matter. They never will. They might try to give them a half-ass push every now and again, but it's those people are damaged in your eyes and in your mind irreparably. In NXT, you will see a guy who has a decent look, who has kind of a little bit of an edge to him, and they'll job for months. Then they'll go away for a month, get repackaged, come back, and then the, a lot of them end up being the main stars of NXT. The main one I remember, because it was from the first set of jobbers that NXT had, was Baron Corbin. I know that you know oh, yeah. the three of us, we might not personally, his, his work and his style may not be our personal favorites, but it's a good example. He was on the original NXT jobbing all the time. And then he went away for a little while, came out one night, had the new music, had the new look, and then he was fucking killing people for a year. And that's – you can – same thing, uh, Mike Dalton, who later then became Tyler Breeze. Repackaged, great star, uh, great look, great gimmick, um, and was a huge star for them after he was a big-time jobber in the original NXT. You see it time and time again. So you see guys who job out all the time but have – you can kind of – they'll let them get a little bit of offense. And you'll see, hey, that guy has – the guy has some skills. And you know in your mind oh, yeah. he, he will be back someday and he will be – Jason Jordan, same way. He was throwing Aiden around English. With all, yeah, in English. Throwing around with all these different tag partners, would be out there to job to the bigger stars, but then he would be repackaged and come back later and be awesome. And I think that's come to be something you can expect and feel comfortable with with NXT, and that's another thing that I really like a lot about it. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think you know, on the sort of less is more line as well, I think ha- only having an hour means that but the time is very precious. So I think you, you very rarely get sort of segments or – or matches that just don't go anywhere. You know, if you've only got five minutes to sort of get someone over, and I think they, you know, they managed to achieve that. You know, I think, you know, the dream hasn't really been on TV very much over the last few, few, few episodes, but, you know, they put him on this week and it's, it's very prominently featured into every, you know, kind of well-crafted segment. So I think probably for the writers, it's much easier to write for because if you've got, and you're filming obviously a few, a few weeks at a time, you can kind of have those, um, you know, you you can make sure that everything you do is meaningful, and I think that's something that the NXT manages to do really well. I very, you know, you very rarely feel like you can just sort of skip through an hour, or well, obviously not an hour, but a segment of the show because something might happen in that that will be relevant going forward. And I think that's not always the case um, with the main shows. It's almost never the case, and even when they do have a relevant match on the on the main roster, it's usually something that you've already seen fifty times. Which is another thing that I was going to bring up with, you know, people. A lot of people who are modern fans, people who came around just after you guys did or at the same time you guys did, they look back on the old school, like my child, my childhood generation of squash matches and kind of, you know, brush it off or laugh it off and say that was shit. But when you watch the old 90s and late 80s shows and they have all these squash matches, you realize that those matches have more impact on the big picture than anything they do on Raw now because you have – Face, babyface A, who's killing people. You have heel B, who's killing people. You don't get to see them finally meet each other and have real competition until mm. months later. On Raw, we've seen – Seth Rollins and, and Drew McIntyre is a perfect example to me. If they were both in NXT right now, they would both be killing P 
PC guys who were around and, and came out to get jobs and get experience. And then eventually they would have an interaction, build a program through promos, and then they would have burned the house down together at NXT TakeOver or at the, the, the last – the main event of a taping. And it would be a huge fucking deal. On Raw, that match has been on 50 fucking times, and I just don't want to look at it anymore. And that's a shame because those two can put on a great match together. And the WWE kills their own great stacked matchups by doing that, but it's a symptom of three-hour television, again. And expectations. People expect now for those types of matches. They've been trained to expect those kind of matches on Raw, but as Gaz pointed out, those kind of matches that are huge money matches are now just moving wallpaper and... That is something else that I really, really prefer about NXT over the main shows. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the necessary connective tissue that, and this is the bizarre paradox that NXT is obviously a much shorter show, but it features the the sort of old school connective tissue like jobbers, like slow builds. Um, it features, you know, they're much happier to have that sort of quote unquote filler material than the actual much longer shows are. It's just a really odd uh, comparison, I think. Yeah, I think it's just... I mean, on NXT, you, you rarely don't know what the outcome of a given match on an NXT show is going to be, but it doesn't mean it's not entertaining. And I think that's probably something that, that, that WWE has lost sight of with Raw, in that you don't have to have your big star... You don't have to have Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre fighting against each other for the crowd to invest in either of them and for them to sort of be able to further their story. I think, you know, in, in NXT, you, you might have a storyline that develops there, and it, it's, it's not necessarily even through interaction between the two people who, are, who, are, who you're building to. It could be through the commentators, what they're saying, whilst one of them is wrestling. And I think you just, I don't know, with Raw, it feels like you have to smack every single issue in the audience's face a little bit. And it's like, oh, they're fighting each other this week, they'll fight each other next week, they'll fight each other... The, in two weeks' time on pay-per-view, and it's like I just I don't understand how they expect the audience to care about that. But you know, that's it, I guess. Um, so, what do you guys recently has sprang up, and it's 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 good that we have because I'd like to get some insight from both of you on the the effectiveness of this so far. What you have, I mean, I know Tasty, I know uh, Gaz, you live down in um, you live down in uh the Middle East right now. Uh, NXT UK came along. Uh, a little while ago, and funny enough, from what I've seen both of you say over time, you you both seem almost as nonplussed about it as I am. Uh, but what is uh, what's the feel that you get um, in your area and among you know your friends who I would imagine some of them being British wrestlers, British British wrestling fans. Um, we we all have a fr- friend who's a British wrestler. Uh, <laughs> um, what what what's the feel? What do you guys think of NXT UK, and what's the feel you get from uh, around you? I think for me, at first, I was, you're right, very, very nonplussed. I think the first set of tapings were probably overlong. So you had too many, too many of the same jobbers being used over and over again. And as a result of that, it just kind of, I think it's very difficult to start a wrestling company, particularly when you're looking at UK wrestlers, because the fact of the matter is, is that most of the companies in the UK are very, very regional. And as a result of that, even if you're picking the best of them, most of the audience won't be familiar with who most of the wrestlers are. And I think that was evident in the first few weeks where you just had a kind of rotating, revolving door of, of, of kind of people you'd never seen before. Um, 
come in, have a match, leave without without really much character development. And I think the only sort of there are a few characters who have vignettes in those first episodes who, you know, the interest for me at least the interest was like peaked a lot more than maybe some of the people who are just coming in, not really saying much, not really doing much, just having a very sort of nondescript match. However, I think with time they've kind of built to a stage now where where everything's a little bit more coherent. I think it, I'm a lot more positive about the show now than I was maybe two or three months ago. And I think that's through, A, giving it time to sort of develop, and B, I think now you're in a position where, for example, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit more detail later, but Walter coming on the show, that feels like a big debut because it's there's a sense of occasion to the event. Whereas before that, every time someone came out, it was a debut. So there's no, there's no sense of occasion to it. And it's just... I think the first few shows were very, very pedestrian as a result of that. But I think, for me now, it, it's it's in a much stronger position than it was two or three months ago, and and hopefully that'll kind of continue. And I think also going down to one show a week just makes it a lot more kind of consumable um, now. Definitely. Yeah, we say yeah. that we say that as the WWP uh, <laughs> WWP starts starts posting two episodes a week. Go ahead, Sam. Mm. What about you? Um. It's interesting because I was, um, I suppose, there at what you could call the start of NXT UK. I was there at the Royal Albert Hall uh, when they had the second uh, UK Championship tournament, which obviously culminated uh, in in Pete Dunne and Zach Gibson. Um, And I've, in fact, Gaz and I have been to various sort of UK independent shows over the last few years. And obviously there's been... A lot of talent featured on those shows that are now being featured in WWUK. Um, and it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say there's really a buzz amongst my friends who don't watch wrestling anyway. But amongst my friends who do watch wrestling, they've been quite excited about seeing sort of UK products on the network being given that sort of exposure. And I think as far as it being a UK scene, I think there's a density uh, of talent that we've not really experienced before, or at least we haven't seen exposed at that sort of level. So you have Mustache Mountain, you have uh, the Grizzled Jung Vets. I think everybody basically on that latest takeover uh, is good enough to be, and this is, I, I mean, this is a, a massive compliment, is good enough to be on a regular takeover. Obviously you had Dunn and Bate on there previously, um, but I think Ripley, Mastiff, Eddie Dennis, everybody featured on that main card I think is a very impressive talent I think that's very encouraging um, for somebody like me who was originally actually quite cynical about the UK's talent pool Um, and even through those first few episodes I thought it was a little bit rough but I'm almost a convert now um, based on that first takeover yeah that first takeover for anybody who's listening who hasn't checked it out yet and I wouldn't blame you if you didn't because uh, again the first First set of tapings was a bit of a slog to get through. Um, they didn't really pump it up that much anywhere else uh, on WWE. Uh, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't if you missed it. But the the first NXT UK takeover was was tremendous, and um, I really would would suggest going out of your way to see it. Very good, top to bottom card. Um, mm-hmm. For me, and this is um, part of it is because I, I have an Americanized. Expectation of what I'm going to see on my wrestling show, and for two, I didn't have the homegrown um, love and knowledge of these guys that that people over in the UK would. And I guess that's fine since it's you know it's really a brand that's built for the UK. Mm. But to me, when I started watching it, and I expressed this guys to you, I expressed this this much to you guys quite a few times, is that to me it was just a bunch of 
guys, a bunch of people with first and last names that didn't really have a gimmick, that didn't really have, they might have had gimmicks, but they weren't really anything that you could really sink into or grab a hold of or, or, or were really prevalent in the way that they worked or that the way that they interacted with other people. Um, so it took a while for me, for, for people to grow on me. But they really have. I mean, Jordan Devlin. I kind of, I kind of get what's going on with that character, and I, and I kind of like him now. Um, obviously, Dunn has been my, fa- you know, one of, if not my favorite wrestler for uh, since he, since he came about. Um, oh yeah. Walter, I'd heard so much about him, and he, he looks awesome. And, and Gaz is right. He showed up, and it was an occasion, and that looks like a really cool program. Um, who else have I taken? I mean, the women's division I do like a lot. Actually, uh, most of the women they have there are really entertaining. Uh, Jazzy Gabber from MY, the May Young Classic last year de- uh, oh, looks yeah. like she's going to debut. So that's a really big addition because she was one of my favorites from last year. Um, she went being, out in the first round, I think. Yeah, but being the type of being the type of old school wrestling fan that I am, it, nothing will grab my attention more than when a competitor walks through the curtain and you can audibly hear the crowd gasp. Like, oh, yeah. oh, holy shit. And that is what that crowd did when she came through that curtain at May Young Classic. So she was instantly a favorite of mine. Um, so I do agree, and it has really grown on me. Um, just to, to add on to a little bit of that so we can kick off the actual <laughs> getting into the content, the discussion of the content. Um, both of you guys, give give me a, a short review of what you thought of NXT TakeOver UK uh, Blackpool. Uh, Gaz, go ahead. I think... I don't know. I said. I said. I think. I think it. It sort of was a brilliant. I think it could have made or break, broke, made or broken them. I think you know, in terms of, I think that if it wasn't very good, I think that might be the end in terms of being able to try and grow the brand elsewhere. But I think, for me, they did a lot of really. I think Dave, as I said before, Damien and Walter at the end there was a, gave it a huge kind of sense of occasion and, and then a sense of moving forwards. You know, if that's the first your starting point, you know instantly that there's going to be another good program to come on from that. I think also giving um, Tony Storms obviously one of the most sort of promising kind of female talents. I think that in in any of the WWE uh, brands at the moment, and I think giving her a kind of crowning spot like that is. Um, well, I mean, I guess they did a similar thing with Pete Dunne with the men's title a couple of years ago, you know, where he didn't win the tournament, but then he came back and and won it later. I think that's that actually gives it a bit more of a sense of occasion. I think, um, and and similarly, I think they've 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 picked up on some some of their kind of their strongest characters, and I think they've they've um, presented them in a way that is um, really. Uh, really kind of strengthens them and, and puts them in a strong position. You know, I think Eddie Dennis in that kind of match uh, sort of really demonstrates the kind of um, brutality, I guess, of, of his character really well. And I think, obviously, with with um, I think Zach, Zach Gibson's fantastic, for, particularly for a British audience. I think that that oh, particular yeah. sort of scouse um, scouse heel is a. a a fantastic idea that works really, really well in Britain. I think I said that to Sam whenever we first saw him in progress a few years ago. Oh yeah. Uh, and what does that? Think, uh, uh, what does what does that mean? Scouse means from Liverpool. Okay. Um, so so basically, there is a perception. I mean, my family is all from Liverpool, so perhaps Sam's better to explain this. But there's a perception amongst people from elsewhere in the UK that. The people from Liverpool think that they're sort of above everyone else and ah. um, kind of go on about history a lot. And I think that's that you know that expression uh, is Liverpool's number one um, is just 
really kind of really would grate on the audience everywhere okay. except Liverpool. Um, <laughs> and, and, and particularly the sorts of places where they go, which are, you know, kind of quite kind of provincial towns and so forth. I think that that sort of Liverpool sense of um, kind of grandeur, I guess. So, so a little bit like, uh, like the Miz going places and, and claiming Los Angeles or something like that. I guess so, yeah. I think, but it's more it's more built from kind of I suppose more like a kind of Bret Hart going on about Canada uh, character yeah. is, is, you know, I think you know Liverpool people would would view themselves as quite isolated from the rest of the UK. Okay. I would say rightly so. I'm sure Sam would say wrongly so. No, I, uh, I think as a region, <laughs> it has a certain uh, infamy, um, rightly or wrongly. But I th- Gibson certainly uh, capitalizes on that very well. He. Um, I don't know if he's as scouse as he comes across when he gets on a microphone, but I think he turns that up to 11. And certainly when we saw him at Progress, he was by far uh, the most hated man in the room to the point that he could barely speak uh, w- with being heard. That, you know, he's, he's, he's very effect- and a very effective character, I think. Yeah. So I, anyway, I think giving him the, the tag title at, the, at this stage kind of really sort of um, really kind of puts the spotlight on him uh, in a way without without having him lose to, to Pete Dunne again, I think. Um, yeah. So and I, I think the other thing that was good about the show is for me, it kind of it, it really highlighted the people who I think are going to be the big stars going forward. And I think. Um, you know, as I said, as Sam said, there's there's no one there who did who would have looked out a place on on a on a regular NXT takeover, and I think that's a huge huge step forward from where they they debuted a few months ago, where as you say, it was just sort of people with various regional British accents coming on, and and not really. I think the crowd got them through the first few shows. I think the sort of passion of the crowd yeah. and the, the, if we're honest, the drunkness of the crowd got them through <laughs> the first few shows, and I think. After a while, you have to actually start to be able to deliver on that, and I think the signs for me are in in the sort of build up to the takeover, but the takeover itself and the shows since that they've they've really got to a point where where they are doing that now, and then now it's something kind of now it's a program worth cheering out about rather than a kind of program that we're not cheering because there's a program, people are cheering because there's a tr- program worth cheering about, which I think you know is really important because you've got over that kind of buzz of where it first debuted and yeah. it was novel. So now something that, you know, you need people to continuously buy into and continuously want to go to. And I think mm-hmm. they've, they've, they've done really well there. And obviously the day before they opened the, the performance center, which will see those characters develop so much more quickly. And also is, you know, I think you'll increasingly see more talent from, from Germany in particular, but elsewhere in Europe come in, which I think will only help it sort of grow further. I, think, I guess Walter's is sort of the first kind of step of that, that kind of, Europe, European, Europe, no, making it from Europe. European, <laughs> Europeanization. Yeah, yes, I don't know if indeed. I just made that up. What do you think of the show, Sam? Uh, I thought it was very good. Um, I think, in particular, I think about Eddie Dennis and Mastiff, who I still have trouble not calling Dave Mastiff, but that's a good very shit. WWE problem. Um, and I think those are almost two body shapes that. I've never really seen on WWE television yeah, anymore. Um, yeah. You know, Mastiff, you know, you certainly see lots of big men, but not quite that shape. Yeah. Uh, and the way he moves, I think he's got a better cannonball that Ke- than Kevin Owens does. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fucking That's fantastic. Smart. And Eddie Dennis is 
Eddie Dennis, I was never sure. When he turned heel on the indies, I wasn't quite sure because for years he'd been sort of this parting, happy-go-lucky baby face. Um, and it was very difficult for me to see him uh, as this sort of sinister figure. Uh, but I think he's made a very good go of it. And I think considering the sort of the little material he's had to work with, he's done very well. Uh, and I think, well, none of the matches on the card, I think, dip below watchable. I think they're all good. Um, I do think, and this may be a controversial opinion, that Dunn and Coffee was overlong. I think 40 minutes was ludicrous. I think I'm going to admit it kind of lost me at a point. And then yeah, when yeah. I heard everybody losing their shit, I looked back and I'm like, Oh fuck, that's Walter. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I missed a good portion of the last part of it. And I thought, I thought the ending was, it, it feels, I found, I found out the other day, it seems that Jim Smallman, who's one of the owners of progress is involved uh, with the creative direction with NXT UK. And that makes sense. Cause a lot of, I mean, that card in particular felt very progress. Um, it was a lot of people who could put on a great match without necessarily having a lot of backstory to it. Um, obviously, some did have uh, more backstory than others. But the the main event also, if I were to be critical, felt very progress, where it didn't feel like it was designed necessarily to be televised. It was just designed as if it was meant to be very epic, very back and forth. And it got to the point where, you know, you're going past 20 minutes and you're thinking, oh, this should be wrapping up soon. When you're getting to 40 and, you know, you've got Joe Coffey kicks out of two of Pete Dunne's finishes and then taps out to a finger snap. I think it was a little bit silly, but certainly the live crowd appreciated it. And I think the community at large hasn't turn their back on it so i think you can consider it a success and certainly the ending with water coming out is a very progress thing where they would try and debut somebody and tease something big um and i think certainly people have got a lot to look forward to with water going forward absolutely so on to tonight's big show and again to all listeners i apologize for uh, the the show isn't going to have a lot of staying power uh but hopefully that this will this will be enjoyable for everybody a little preview um, tonight's show, NXT TakeOver. Uh, I guess first, we'll, before we go match by match, I'll just ask you guys, um, what are you looking forward to most tonight, Sam? Uh, it's hard to say. It's quite a stack card. I will go with the easy option, I think, and I'll say Gargano versus Ricochet because <laughs> I, I don't think Johnny Gargano is, certainly in his latest streak, is capable of having anything less than a great match. I think he's on a streak of world-class matches that I would compare to sort of Triple H in 2000, where he would just go from pay-per-view to pay-per-view and steal the show regardless. And, you know, when you have takeovers and this very high bar, that's that's impressive, I think. So, um, and also Gargano, even story-wise, even leaving aside the athletic point of view, um, I think we're probably going to see a lot of progression with him and Champa. You're probably going to see them. I think it's predictable, but sometimes unpredictable doesn't mean good and predictable doesn't mean bad. You're going to have probably them helping each other win and retain their respective titles. And I think that's going to be very interesting character progression. What about you guys? I don't know. I, you know, I was just, I was just thinking about that while Sam was speaking. I think all, all four definitely of the title matches, I think, could all be really, really good. Um, but I would say, 
I think, yeah, I think I would agree with Sam. I think Ricochet versus Gargano is probably going to be the most entertaining watch. Um, but I think the War Raiders have really, really impressed me. And I, I hope that this evening will be their sort of um, coronation, I think. Yeah. And uh, as, as a result of that, I think that's probably what I'm most looking forward to. But genuinely, I think certainly all four of the title matches I, I'm very much looking forward to. And I, I, uh, I can't recall uh, a takeover where I felt sort of so... Um, enamored with all with all of what's going to be on offer tonight, I think. So, I find that surprising. I, I think there've been a, a lot of stack takeover cards. So. Yeah, they have. They have. I just I don't know. I I think these, I think every single one of these matches is is intriguing, both in terms of what it will be in the ring, but also in terms of where they go next from it. And I think, hmm. um, I think I don't know. I think that for me is a sort of as I said right at the start of the show. I like that kind of episodic idea, and I think that you can. Um, there is an interesting kind of direction to take, no matter who wins any of those matches, and I think that's that's really exciting. Uh, I'm 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 with with both you guys. Both of you guys mentioned it. I to to, to it's hard to quantify um, how much I've been looking forward to this to this Gargano Ricochet match. I would be going through things in my daily life. I'll be at like at work, and I'll just sit <laughs> back. I'll just sit back and say to myself, "Holy shit." Ricochet and Johnny Gargano are going to fucking wrestle on Saturday. Like, I've been looking oh, yeah. forward to it that much. Um, so I'm super pumped for that. Um, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go match by match here because you guys brought up some interesting points about the other matches that I, that I do want to cover. Um, so actually the one that I'm a little bit nonplussed about because I think we've already seen it. And I honestly, this is one of the things that I um, – I usually NXT, I love the direction they take with everybody. But I've been really kind of – not inspired by the way that they've used Matt Riddle. And I don't know if it's because mm. I don't know if it's because if they used him any other way that it would seem uh, disingenuous, that it wouldn't seem like the real him. I, I'm not as familiar with Matt Riddle as other people are, uh, but I've just not been able to get into this character or get excited for anything. I haven't seen him do anything special in any match. So I just there's just nothing I've really latched into uh, as far as this character. Um Throughout this 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 segment too, we will do a what should happen and what will happen. You know what we would like to happen. What I think's going to happen is Riddle will obviously mm. get the win, and I think I can agree that's what should happen. Um, I just, eh, I'm kind of meh about that one. It's a, it's a palate cleanser for me. What about you guys, Cassius Ono, uh, Matt Riddle, Gaz? See, oh, Gaz, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, We're going. Go on, Sam. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hot. Um, no, I think it's interesting you say that Riddle should win because I think that may be why, certainly why I'm lukewarm with that is that I feel that when it comes to matches, Riddle has very easily had Ono's number and the only way he's got any heat back is he's attacked him after the match and throughout he's just looked entirely inferior. So it's hard to root for Riddle when I feel like he's not really in any real danger. He's not really being challenged. It's particularly by Ono, who, as much as I like, is pretty concretely NXT's gatekeeper. He's the man you beat before you go into something bigger. So I think it's, it's hard to generate interest from that. Um, but I agree that I think Riddle probably will win, and I think he should win. Uh, it'll be at least a competent match. It'll be fun to watch, I'm sure, but it's not gripping me. I just, I'm not really sure why they're having this match. If I'm honest with you, I think I think it's 
you know, the, they obviously had the on the last takeover the very quick seven second match, whatever it was, and then the, but then they've already had the sort of the proper match after that on a you know on the weekly show, and I think anything other than a sort of pedestrian riddle win will just I, I just I I don't understand how it can go anyway any other direction but that my own my only sort of suspicion with this potentially is that. Um, someone will get involved in the match somehow, which will give Riddle his next program, but will also give uh, Ono sort of uh, a more kind of a, a point at which he can kind of continue to preach this anti-new people um, stance, you know, mm. by giving him some sort of sort of bullshit win. I, I can't, I, I don't understand why else you would have this match um, unless it's to do something else with Riddle going forward from it, because I think it's he's already beaten him twice. There's no sort of suspensing that and you know even if Ono wins it just I don't think it really does anything for either of them um, mm, mm. even Ono because he's like he's already lost quite easily to this, this to the same guy a few you know a, a few months ago so. been demolished yeah exactly and then he lost again and I, I just I just don't understand what the point of this match is unless it's to set something else up and I think so what should happen I think is Riddle should win easily what what will happen I think you know, my head is saying Riddle will win easily, but I'm sort of hoping that NXT will will kind of give me something a bit more interesting. Um, Throw a curveball. To sort of, yeah, to sort of justify this being on the card at all, because I, otherwise I just, because you could have easily set Riddle up with someone else uh, for this. You know, um, you know, I don't know, one of Undisputed Era, maybe you know, Adam Cole, or just yeah, or or Bobby Fish even. I, I just, I just, I, I don't know why you would kind of give this. Again, um, having already given it on takeover and having already I mean, given it on throw, a throw, throw Dream, Dream Cole and Matt Riddle be the surprise entrant. You have a triple threat match, number one contender for the North American title, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, exactly. there's, there's, there's a lot of different interesting ways that could have gone with this. Um, mm. So, but I think you got it. And I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I think that's it, really. I think, you know, it, uh, what has been good is I think Cassius Ono turning heel is, is definitely the right direction for him. I mean, if if you haven't watched those sort of early NXT shows, um, when I went back to watch them, I just couldn't believe I was watching the same guy. I mean, the current Cassius Ono is, or has been, just very, very bland. Very, very kind of, his matches have been okay, and as you say, he's been a gatekeeper. But if you go back to that, those early days, he's, he's really, really good. Uh, as a heel and I hope that maybe he can tap back into that now I feel um, a lot of people would say the reverse almost a lot of people like the new Cassis Ono but were not particularly enthused by his first run in NXT well I think I, I liked I was a little more interested in the character in the first one because he had kind of a faraway look in his eyes almost sort of Cactus Jack promo style and character not no, not character because he didn't do crazy shit but the way he used to talk was very was very quiet and very like there was something else going on with him, and this has been very straightforward, uh, gritty veteran, you know, type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, War Raiders, undisputed era tag team titles. I thought of this when you were discussing how it was probably going to be the War Raiders coronation. In its mm. own way, in its own way, it'll also, I think, given what time of year it is be a bit of a coronation for Undisputed Era or a swung song, if you will, because uh, I think it's pretty much high time. I can very much see them 
showing up in the post-mania uh, call-ups. Mm. So I, that's another reason why I have a feeling why it's time to pass the torch. Uh, War Raiders will take the belts, and then they'll, there'll be a rematch feud, maybe a final rematch at the uh, WrestleMania takeover, and then Undisputed Era will be on the main roster after that. What do you think, Sam? Well, I've got almost a, a Cassius Ono-esque hang-up with... Not necessarily this match, because I, I, I like both teams. I think it's a good program. I think it'll be a really good match. But the teams who have been passed over in favor of the War Raiders coming in from Ring of Honor, so I, I think of the Street Profits and I think of Heavy Machinery. Um, and just as somebody who is sort of enamored with those two teams in particular, but ha- likes sort of a long journey, uh, it frustrates me a little bit that you... Uh, in favor of these sort of outsiders, if we can describe Undisputed Era and the Raiders as this, you have the, uh, the with, in the case of Street Profits, you have them sitting way down the card for seemingly ever, and then Heavy Machinery just being moved off to uh, the main show without much fanfare. But the match itself, I think, will be very good, and I'm sure I'll be very into it. So no real complaints as far as that goes. Yeah, it's it's what the fuck is the deal with the Street Profits? I don't. They're super over. It's a fun gimmick. Both guys can work just fine. Yeah, Angelo yeah. Dawkins has been in NXT for fucking ever. Speaking oh, yeah. of people who were jobbers when NXT started off and then got mm-hmm. repackaged, he Angelo Dawkins was in the original NXT, the one that we were watching online. Like he's been oh, down yeah. there that long. So I. Yeah, I would like to see them utilize more, but I'm right with you. It, tonight's match is probably going to be. Oh yeah! Fucking awesome, Gaz. Gaz passed out. Gaz, you still there? Oh yeah, sorry, I was <laughs> it sort of went all robot-y. Um <laughs> I, I'm here now. I can hear you. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be really good. I, I, I think I saw War Raiders with Sam a long time ago. Um, I'm really impressed with them. I progress. I think they've come in and. I, very instantly, I think, have, have sort of um, made a huge impression on the audience, which I know all of these indie stars kind of come in and do that, and the, the audience already mostly know who they are, but I think um, they're just so... They're just so identifiable immediately, aren't they? I think, you know, they're a very, very strong gimmick. The matches are very, very good. And I think, you know, as a result of that, it's they've, they've got this huge kind of um, wave of of kind of momentum behind them. I'm not sure this is the end for the Undisputed Era. I think they'll be in NXT for a while. I think... I feel that they will probably go eventually at some point with Undisputed Era holding all the titles. Um, That's what I was hoping for for this, pretty much this last year. I didn't see Ciampa becoming, you know, arguably the best pro wrestler on fucking planet Earth. I did not see that coming. That's kind of what I thought this year was going to be, was them running the place for a year and then going on. So you see, I, 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 I can I, agree. I, I, and I still think they might do that. I still think they might try and take them through, you know, if they do war games again this year, maybe take them through till then and then send them off on their way. Um, but I think, you know, the sort of long-term aim with that has to be to get Redragon back together as the as the tag team and, and put Strong back as a singles. And I think, you know, you've got to take the titles off them to do that. And I think that's probably what they're going to do now. But I don't think it's the end for, for the Undisputed Era. I think they'll be a while, around for a while. I think 
the kind of rhetoric of Adam Cole would very much suggest that he's, you know, everything they've said so far this year would suggest that they're going to hang around a bit longer. Um, and I'm just, I'm not really sure, I'm not really sure how well they'd work on the main show. I'm not really, I, I think they're kind of, there's a real risk of them being lost in the shuffle there. Well, you because, saw what happened to fucking Sanity. Well, exactly. You know, and I think, but I think these are probably, they are weaker characters in sort of in the in the main roster sense um, than in Sanity, than Sanity are. Sorry. I, I um, think that there's going to be a concern with literally anybody on the main card, whether it be Velveteen Dream or Alistair Black. No matter how good they are, how strong their character, how good a wrestler they are, there's always a concern that they're going to go up to the main roster, be entirely mishandled, or you know they'll go disappearing for months on end. So. I think that's going to be a permanent worry for anybody on well, the especially NXT with some, card. With, with guys like that Gaz is talking about, where they their character aren't really that strong, anyways. Mm. So, I mean, I think that the chances are all the more. And I hadn't really thought of that to be honest, but now that he says it, he's right. Uh, if you have kind of a weak character and it's more ring work based, more it's more of an NXT style gimmick, then it, the the concern is all the more that they're not. It's you know they might have trouble. Um, well, what we think is going to happen and what should happen is a lot less of a fun game when we're doing NXT. Right? On the Rumble, we'll just be shitting on everything. But this, <laughs> this is all pretty much – that's, that's one of the things that's good about NXT. What, what we want to happen and what, what will happen oh, what should happen is usually all the same. Um, we already kind of talked about it, but, you know, and I don't think we're going to have to have much to say on this one. But North American Championship, Ricochet and Johnny Gargano. Whew! Both – like you said – Gargano's pretty much incapable of putting on a bad match. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Ricochet. Ricochet's in my top five right now. I'm, it's going to be fucking nuts. Um, as far as who's going to win. See, I, don't, I think this is actually quite obvious. I, I feel like Gargano, or Gargano rather, is the, uh, is the obvious choice there. Really? Well, I, yeah. it depends on where they're going with the the DIY, which, which let me get this out there now before, because I don't want something, I don't want hints to be given away tonight. And then I say it afterwards and everybody thinks that you guys can back me up. I've been saying for two months, mm-hmm. I want to, and I'm hoping that this storyline is a subtle flipping around where Gargano lures Champa back to trusting him and then fucking turns on him and finally comes out victorious. The whole heel turn, the whole everything was all his way of of tricking, of flipping the script on Champa and tricking him, tricking Champa to come back to him so he could stab him in the back at just the right moment. With that in mind, how do you think tonight plays out then? So I could see what you're saying. If that's the way they're going, I could see Gargano winning. Plus, what? Ricochet doesn't need anything else. He he could have been, been on the main roster. I, the guy's fucking phenomenal. There's nothing mm. there's nothing he can't do. The crowd will instantly catch on to him with his style and that entrance. I mean, there's so there's really no reason to keep him. I do He's think had, Ricochet his only weakness is that less so now when he started he was quite bland as a character. Yeah. Um and I think he's imbuing more personality into his promos. And into his ring work, where he's not just a flippy guy anymore. He's a guy with a bit of charm and a bit of personality. All right, guys, uh, what about you? Where's this going? 
I think. Well, I was just going to say, I, I I agree. I actually think this this feud has brought the best out in him on the microphone. I think this has been his strongest performances um, at all, really, um, Ricochet. But for me, I think this your idea is a brilliant idea. I'm not sure they will be that way, but I think it's. I think at some point in this match, Gargano will be faced a proper kind of clear ethical decision to make. I know he's already turned heel, but where it's like a sort of point of no return. And, and potentially, I think they sort of foreshadowed this uh, on the show this week with Candice being there, trying to stop him from, I don't know, using a chair or something to, to win. And then he will do it and he will and he'll win. And then he'll, he's kind of fully over to the dark side at that point. That's what I expect to happen today. Going forward from there, I think there's a number of different directions they can take. Um, but I think your idea is a really, really strong one. And, you know, unusually, uh, compared to the rest of the wrestling world, this it's quite likely that that will happen. Whereas I think, um, you know, if you come up with a really good idea for Raw or Impact or whatever, that's not necessarily how, how it ends up going. But I think, mm. yeah, I think I think Gargano should win, and I think he will win. And I think you're right. I think we'll probably see Ricochet in the Royal Rumble the next day. Oh, yeah, that would not be surprising. So the next match is a masterclass in what we had discussed earlier about squash matches, about development, about not having to put people together all the time. Because Baszler against Bianca Belair genuinely feels like a huge match, like a culmination of two journeys. And something that we're both really intrigued to see. Uh, Bianca Belair is undefeated. Uh, her gimmick of her saying it that way is like nails on a fucking chalkboard and that's what it's supposed to be so it's fantastically effective i fucking hate it so much <laughs> um against baszler who's a fucking murderer who's been awesome in all of her appearances lately uh oh yeah i'm i'm, I'm pumped for this one too i don't i don't know i think it's not going to be exactly beautiful in in a couple of spots because both of them are pretty green but it, there's the, clump, the clumsiness and the clunkiness will be overcome with a lot of the athleticism and the cool shit they're going to do. So I think it'll overall be good. There's that. Um, they are both, obviously, phenomenal athletes. Obviously, Baszler was an MMA. Belair is just an incredible athlete in her own right. But I think these are also two performers who know where their strengths and weaknesses lie. Certainly, Baszler has played very, very much into her strengths and away from her weaknesses. So she's not running the ropes and doing planches and shit. She's just grabbing people and choking them and throwing them about with their joints. Um, so I think knowing that they, I think they could well put together something really, really good. And I think two phenomenally talented wrestlers there, you're probably going to have uh, have an impressive product at the end of it. I'd agree. I think, you know, Bianca Belair's come on I think she came came in um, with lots and lots of strengths, but I think there were a few weaknesses. I think some of her move set was kind of a bit dubious early on, but I think she's really, really worked 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 on everything. Um, and I think you know she started off good, but I think she's improved you know like tenfold in the time that she's been there. And I think as a result of that, um, she's sort of a very, very credible contender now. And I. I I, I do I'm not sure if now is the time I'm not sure I do think she'll remain undefeated after this match but I'm not sure if she's going to win the championship I think it might be a DQ win for her um, with uh, the other two the goons of uh, the, the lackeys this, this to me in. is one of the hard, is maybe the hardest one to call 
on the whole show. What do you think, Sam? Who's who's taking? I it? think it's it's difficult because I think it depends. I think Baszler could well be going up soon. I think she could well be in the Royal Rumble uh, tomorrow night. Uh, so I think I I would say I would say Baszler winning is the more obvious choice, but I actually think Belair will win, and it will be a sort of closing of the book for Baszler. I think she she is likely being called up, if not immediately, very soon. Um, they might have a return match at some point, but I think this might be the end of the road for her NXT career. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm just not sure she's quite ready for the main show yet. I think, as you said, she's still there are still aspects of her sort of in-ring work that aren't that are, are, are ever improving. But I, I I do worry if she was with some of the you know some of the start people on the main show if if they would kind of be exposed a little bit more and they might keep her down there maybe until the, the to the next takeover at least and then sort of debut a, the Raw after um, WrestleMania. Um, yeah. I think I think for me I I think this will end in a um as I said some sort of screw finish and I I would expect them to have a gimmick match at the WrestleMania takeover. I think that's where they're going to go but I as you say I think it is a very difficult one to call and again I, I think the, the the joy of this is that whatever happens seeing how Bianca Belair responds to losing if she loses seeing how Shayna Baszler responds to losing if she loses uh, or obviously anything that continues the program. I think all three of those are really sort of appealing uh, options for, oh, yeah. for where they can Absolutely. go next. And I think that's um, I don't know. I think this is I think this is a really intriguing match. And I think um, you know I, I think potentially you know it could be a sort of sleeper and, and actually end up being one of the most interesting of, of yeah, them all. Yeah, that's kind of where I am with it. One of the coolest things about NXT and you guys, I think maybe if you think about it, you'll, and anybody listening. MSG just has a way of they're not afraid to pull the trigger. And this mm-hmm. even though I I don't I can't bring myself to say yeah Belair's going to win, I would not it feels like the kind of situation where you're going to sit there and say holy shit is it about to happen and then it does happen and she kind of oh, yeah. a little bit surprising, a little bit early, she she takes the belt off of her. We've seen it before. We're we're in in traditional WWE main roster booking, this would be, you know, the match before the match. But then the person ends up taking the belt because it's not main roster, it's NXT, and they just do things a little bit differently. I mm. this just has the feel it might be one of those kinds of matches. So while I cannot sit here and say, yes, I think Belair's going to win, I also would not be surprised. I think... pulled the trigger. And... You may sympathize with me a little here. It's a it's a shame that Dakota Kai has been injured when she yeah. has. Yeah. Because uh, I felt if there was a story to be told with Baszler losing the belt, it was Kai gradually climbing the mountain and Baszler's final involvement in NXT being with Kai pinning her in the ring. Would have been nice. Yeah. yeah, that's certainly where I thought they were going. But I think, I suppose what you're saying about the pulling the trigger is, I mean... Baylor's previous feud with Kyrie Sane is a perfect example of that. I yeah. think I don't think many people saw that coming where Kyrie won. Mm. And mm. you know and then um but I think it's it made sense in the story. As I said, I, I think any any outcome of this match will lead to uh more intrigue going forwards, which is obviously, you know, what you're aiming for really. So I think that it's it's very it's been very well sort of set up very very slowly, definitely. 
All right, so the last one, funny enough, because it's the main event and the main story, it actually kind of feels the most predictable. I'm sure it's going to be an absolute ball buster of a match, but uh, where are we going with Tommaso Ciampa and Aleister Black? I think this is, uh, I mean, it's a similar question to Gargano and Ricochet, in as much as you're asking me the way that particular story is going to go. And if it goes a certain way, you can probably say how Ciampa Black's going to go. So if Champa interferes in the earlier match, there's probably going to be some Gargano interference in the latter one, uh, whether that sets up sort of like a two-man power trip going forward. Could be interesting. Um, I think either way, Champa 99% is going to walk out of this. The only sort of bit of uncertainty is this is NXT, and sometimes they do like to subvert expectations slightly. Um, but you would expect Black to be getting called up yesterday. He's He's been ready for the main roster for, well, probably since he debuted almost. I think he's gotten stronger as a character, but certainly uh, as an in-ring performer, I think he was essentially ready the day he walked into the uh, into the locker room. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think, you know, um, it would certainly sort of... I think it would be a perfect time for Black to go up to the main roster now. I think... It looks like, you know, the fact that he's appeared on Twitter and certain sort of leaked Hall of Fame ideas would suggest that The Undertaker's kind of finally gone. And I think that kind of black kind of, as a character going into that space, obviously he's not going to fill it to the same magnitude at this stage. But I think it's a perfect opportunity for someone who is a bit occult, who is a bit sort of uh, dark, I guess, to appear on the main show. A bit goth. Yeah, exactly. And to, and to start to kind of um, to, to start to really kind of build into something quite special over there, because I think he has, you know, obviously every time someone goes up, I think as NXT fans, you, you kind of worry what's going to become of them. But you, you, you have to think the black of, of anybody who's gone up is the least likely to fail uh, on the main show, because it, I think he has every whatever aspect of wrestling you're inter- inter- into or interested in, you know, I think he, he has it, you know, he's, he's, has it in great compelling storylines. He has a uh, great look. He's great in the ring. You know, he's, he's kind of, he has that sort of really strong character. He's almost cartoonish. You know, I think, you know, you can see that children would enjoy him as a character as well. I just, I don't, I'm not really sure there anyth- there's anything he doesn't have. And I think, I don't really know what you would do with him. I think the only only match that anybody would be interested in seeing is maybe if Dream was to beat him at the next at the next takeover. But otherwise, I just don't know what you would do with him that kind of warrants him staying in NXT after this. So for that so matter, I, I think he's got to lose. So my idea, and this may not come under ideas that warrant him staying in NXT, I'll grant that, um, is... I mean, I essentially just want to see him and Dream as a team for a show is what I'll take because I'm a very, very big fan of that feud they had a while back. I am a big fan of sort of odd couple sort of tag teams with a rivalry within them. Um, I would just really enjoy seeing that dynamic on television for a show. Um, And we, you know, even if Black is being called up, we may still see that. It's not necessarily the death knell for that. Often people, you know, will have a farewell performance or what have you. Um, but I, I agree that his race has been run. And I've said something similar to NorCal uh, before, where with 
somebody like Velveteen Dream, I can see how easily WWE would screw it up, the main roster. But with Black, I think it would be immensely frustrating to see them totally fuck it up because I think that's just a slam dunk. It's easy to see what you do with him. I think he's a package already. I think you just put that forward and you've got yourself a hit. Awesome. So uh, to close it out, who's... Are we all in agreement Champa's uh, retaining? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I, I, I don't see any other kind of result, really. Uh, same here. I, I don't see how or why uh, he would not retain. Uh, we will retain this program going forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Solid. Thank, Solid. thank you, everybody, for hanging in here with us. Uh, and I thank you guys for being on the show with me. I actually have a little surprise for both of you, not the listeners. Maybe the listeners oh. in a little while uh, for after we go off the air. So mm-hmm. um, thank you guys both very much. I look forward to more in the future. Indeed. Everybody out there, thank you for listening. And remember, the card is subject to change. If I do, and damned if I don't, holla fuck the world with my chest full of smoke. I choke on my breakfast, the end of my necklace, a dope house records, Scrooge Stone, Texas. The diamonds in my emblems is cut like a princess. You can keep the Lexus, cause I got two bins. I'm in your girlfriend's hot intestines, cause I bought her two dresses and some contact lenses. Got a message in the bottle, hit the throttle in my cottle, click and clack my semi auto, cause I'm trying to see tomorrow. Bought a condo for my top. Cause she working that taco It's the top selling bottle 23's on the Tahoe TV screens, margarita machines With street marines Got love for the Crips and Bloods And Latin Kings If it means anything This for all my G's I'm in jail cause I forgot my fucking ABC Another DWI Drunk and fucking high I'll be out before the motherfucking sun can touch the sky They call me Young Thurston How the third And that's my word I'm a swing, I'm a swerve I'm a park and scrape the curb Why
grabbing on my dick is the police officers patting down my clip. They say my bandana breaks the dress code. Every fine fucking bitch I see's my ex hoe. I'm hogging and I'm dogging, creeping and I'm crawling. Believe me, this my calling. It's time to do you all in. Everybody jump, jump, boys trip. What, what? Let my double barrel shotty go, parampa, bum, bum. Slanging slab on the rocks up in no man's land. Burning off in my smoky in the bandit transam. The rope around my neck is just dangling and jangling. Sometimes I smoke the rain and get wetter than a penguin. And your mama sip a hose like Jack Tripper. Piece to Big Dipper, what the deal, my schnicker? Hook like Johnny Tapia's dope house living prosperous. I tip my waitress and she can't stop saying gracias. Why? 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 Why?